everyone, and welcome back. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Natalie Tenstra, and I'm the podcasting chair for UNC's chapter of Active Minds. And I'm Brandon Cool. I'm a neuroscience major and a junior here at Carolina, and today's guest co-host of this podcast. So before we introduce our guest speaker, we would like for you all to think about the term winter blues. For those of you living in Chapel Hill and surrounding areas, it has been quite cold recently. We've gotten snow for the past three weeks, and the weather has been less than ideal. The shift from sunny, long days to colder, shorter days may make some feel more gloomy than usual. Oftentimes, these feelings don't get in the way of living life. But if these feelings do affect daily life, it might be seasonal affective disorder, or SAD for short, which is our topic for today's podcast. Brandon and I chose this topic as we have both struggled with some of the impacts of seasonal affective disorder, and we wanted to learn more from a professional. Without further ado, let us introduce our guest speaker. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Rachel Frisch, who is a board-certified psychiatrist. Dr. Frisch completed her general psychiatry residency training here at UNC Chapel Hill and now owns her own psychiatry practice in Cary, North Carolina. In addition to this, she's also an adjunct assistant professor with UNC's Department of Psychiatry. Dr. Frisch recently gave a presentation on SAD to the community through the Wake County NAMI organization. We will be speaking with her today to learn more about this disorder. Welcome, Dr. Frisch, and thank you for joining us today. So first, we would like to ask you, what exactly is seasonal affective disorder? Can anyone get it? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Brandon. I appreciate you guys taking the time to pay attention to this type of um, issue. Mental health is, of course, a growing concern across the campus and definitely across the nation and the world right now during the pandemic. And seasonal affective disorder is absolutely something people should be paying attention to. So seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, is something that is very common, but it's a very specific definition, it's a very specific diagnosis. Um, 70% of people or so actually have some type of mood fluctuation between seasons. So like most of the time, people tend to like summer um, seasons, and they, they sometimes find themselves feeling a little bit lower energy or lower mood, lower motivation in the winter. So 70, 70% of people or so have that fluctuation. That's kind of considered normal, actually, right? There's some degree of seasonality and just mood changes that comes with energy rejuvenation of spring and fall that can be normal um, a pathologic amount of that seasonal variety and variation in mood is possible though and you know i think on the higher end estimates we estimate like maybe up to five percent or so of adults um, it's a lot more common in women unfortunately so some estimates say like as much as four times more women can get seasonal affective disorder than men and unfortunately like young people so people who are listening to unc podcasts campus students um ages like 20 to 30 years old are, are quite a bit more at risk for this um anybody who's got medical illness or psychiatric illness at baseline is likely more predisposed. So women, young people, and medically and psychiatrically ill, but that's a lot of people in America. Um, they say like maybe up to estimates of 5% or so. And there's not a lot of science in teens, but we do have estimates that the numbers are pretty high in teens. Um, and it can vary a lot based on geographic location um, and in countries also. So yes, anybody can get this, and it's a lot more common than we think. Right, is there any way to prevent yourself from being affected by this? So with all mental illness, there's going to be an environmental and genetic component to predispose somebody to be at risk for this. And some people are more sensitive to their environments. Um, other people have brains and neurotransmitters in those brains that are just more at 
risk, more like one more likelihoods to to have symptoms that are uncomfortable for them. Everybody though can protect themselves from mood changes. And although you might be more at risk than other people, depending on your genetic makeup, your family history, your medical state, um, everybody can take the same steps to, to ensure that we try to keep ourselves as healthy as possible. Um, with seasonal affective disorder, a lot of that comes to just maintaining the routine, um, following following a daily routine. And we've emphasized this so much during the global pandemic. So many of us are doing things virtually and don't necessarily have to wake up two minutes before our Zoom <laughs> class starts. Um, don't have to go to bed if we don't want to. Time, but making sure that you have that you know um, circadian rhythm in check, that diurnal awake during the daytime, asleep during the nighttime routine, that will just allow your brain to secrete the normal neurotransmitters that are necessary to maintain your mood to feeling good. Um, so maintain your normal daily routine, taking care of your body. You know, of course, baseline stuff, right? In psychology, it's talk a lot about how cultures take care of one another and how communities take care of themselves. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a big part of that, right? There's this triangle, the bottom of the triangle, it's like baseline stuff. Eat, uh, eat healthy foods, drink water, make sure you're getting sleep, make sure you have a stable house over your head. And then up the pyramid, it's the best version of yourself. But if you don't have those baseline things, you're never gonna be your best version of yourself. So really, truly making sure that you're eating healthy foods, exercising. There are a lot of studies that show that exercise and the endorphins that come from that can be just as protective, if not more so sometimes, than some of our antidepressants for folks. So really doing some of those behaviors are going to be incredibly helpful as far as prevention goes. Not turning to alcohol or drugs, any substances really like a lot of us survival. Caffeine, especially when it gets really dark and gloomy and on a day like today, maybe a cup of extra coffee doesn't feel like a bad thing, but if we find ourselves over relying on that to supplement um, our mood during which changes in the winter months, it's going to put more at risk. Managing our stress, making sure that we have a plan in place so that if and when we know we are already going to feel a little bit more gloomy or mopey in the winter months, that we don't allow ourselves to lean into that. So hard things to do with pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Not isolating, having a plan to make sure that we know how to keep this routine and how to allow ourselves to not lean into what feels good when you're depressed, which is to stay alone, Netflix and binge, be in PJs all day, lose that routine, um, plan outings, outdoor coffee shops, hikes by yourself or with friends, Zoom calls, plan things so that you are held accountable to people and to yourselves to maintain that schedule and that structure, that routine, which in turn provides you with that purpose in life and allows you to feel good each day. Um, planning ahead, taking care of yourself, seeking help early when you notice yourself slipping and not feeling great, um, taking a trip, getting out of cold areas, getting into brighter areas. There's absolutely something to be said for like um, birds who fly south for the winter. We, we know that those of us who are located in colder climates, northern environments for sure are more at risk. So it is actually protective to take a trip and to go on vacation and see the sunshine. Um, during these months. So lots of ways you can keep yourself um, safe and healthy and prevent seasonal affective disorder, but it does take some work and it definitely takes some motivation and, and noticing when this is an issue for you. Right. Definitely. And we've noticed that students' overall mood has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, would you say that the, the pandemic has affected seasonal affective disorder? And if so, like how? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. And I don't know that there's been research specifically on that topic, which there, there should be. I think it'd be really fascinating to see what, there's just a number, right? The, the precedent of a global pandemic and if that does change the numbers of, the, of people that are diagnosed with this each year or how we manage. Because for a lot of people, we aren't able to do some of the behavioral activation tips and tricks, right? Getting out and going to see a friend. And well, maybe I can't do that. Going to take a flight. Hey, it's Omicron. I can't get on a flight very easily right now. So I can't go to the Bahamas like I otherwise would. Um, you know, all these things that we might recommend that are behaviors, we might lean more into medications. Whereas before we could have taken a trip or gone outside or spent time with family. You might end up having to do supplements to help yourself um, from a holistic health standpoint. Mm. Um, but I would have, if I had to venture to say I would, but I would greatly assume that we are absolutely seeing higher rates of mood decline in the winter months. But also, too, on that note, I think a lot of people are needing to get creative on how to stay connected and how to maintain their routine all year round. And it's not necessarily dependent on the season because we're in our third year now of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we've gone through every season several times <laughs> and those changes have kind of been consistent. And so our moods as a whole, as a society, totally are taking a hit and we are tired of this and people are really struggling with baseline depression, baseline anxiety. Um, and I think a lot of that is magnified in the pandemic. Seasonal affective disorder, I think uh, likelihood is that the rates are higher, but also people at this point have kind of figured out how to cope in some ways and are uh, have been working on that for a while. Yeah. So something I wanted to ask you, I've heard about the like light boxes and I have one. How effective would you say those are? Like mine is very bright and I definitely feel an impact from it because like my room is super dark and whenever I have the light on, I already feel more productive and happier. Absolutely. I love the light box therapy. So in fact, light box therapy is the number one thing that I'll recommend as a clinician to help somebody in those initial stages when they're noticing, wow, my mood's really not feeling right these days. Or maybe I, I do have depression and it's getting a heck of a lot worse during the winter months. What can I do? We might not always start a medication or increase your medication. There are a lot of conservative things that we can do to help you even before we, we make changes as far as prescription meds. And light box therapy is one of them. They're very minimally invasive, right? It's a light. Um, they're fairly decent size. You can you can find all of them. I mean, they're over the counter, so you can get them on Amazon or yeah. you know in store um, that that has them. There are a couple. There are lots of different types, and they they range in size, strength, and. Um, cost of course but what we're looking for it's called 10,000 lux is kind of what you're shooting for that's the unit of measure about how bright these lights are and basically i recommend that patients sit close to them you do not have to be staring at them like we're staring at them here all day same time you're checking the email in the morning or watching tv or eating your breakfast you can have a light box therapy right next to you so it does need to sit, you know, 16, 20 inches away from you. So make sure that it's like in a close distance, but it just has to be in the periphery of your eyesight. So maybe like peripheral vision is perfectly fine. You want your eyes open. It's not going to work if you're sleeping in front of it, but you don't have to directly looking at it at all. We really don't want you to, right? We don't need you to have halo lights looking everywhere else you see much of the light. So having it just right next to you, shining bright in your vicinity can help really, you know, modulate the, the weather changes that accumulate such a gloomy, cloudy, dark, um, dark space in most of our, our houses and most of our lives these days if we're busy working or at our home studying, um, that kind of supplements a little bit. So it, it transforms the day instead of 
mirroring the winter months as gloomy as they can be to a little bit more like what you might find in even more further south bright locations. Very effective in treating um, seasonal affective disorder and, and can be used for longer than the winter months, but definitely in, during winter months when we find it getting darker outside, it can help with the, the hormonal changes that can, can actually treat this disorder. Right, yeah, I love mine. So say we have a listener who thinks they may have SAD. What advice would you give them? Yeah, it's a great question. And so I think when people start noticing their mood changing, and it's not just the mood change, but it's like the seasonality of it. It's the cycle. It's a pattern that we're seeing. I always tell people, like, notice the patterns more so than just what day-to-day is. Because I don't care how you felt yesterday in isolation. I care how, I care how you felt over the last couple of weeks. How's this month gone for you? First of all, we got to keep track of that. Is this a pattern or is this a one-off? You know, is this a couple of days every month, maybe hormonally, that I'm just feeling different? Or is this really the last three weeks? And maybe I didn't pay attention to it, but I am feeling a lot worse. So first steps is to start new tracking. There are tons of apps right now on iOS and Android where you can just check in with yourself. Like a really quick, brief, brief five to 10 second check-in of like, wait, where's my mood at? Where's my anxiety at? Am I taking care of myself? Am I eating? Am I sleeping? Am I drinking water? Or am I maybe not caring for myself? Did I not brush my teeth the last three days because I woke up right before class and ran outside and haven't eaten? It's amazing how, how quickly those behaviors and, and patterns can get away from us. And it's usually too little too late when we actually recognize them. So if you're noticing some of this creep in, the first step of action is really to start paying attention to it and notice and track for yourself what is changing. Um, in seasonal affective disorder, the, the primary things we're going to see are very much like any other depression, depressive state. They might be a little bit emphasized in different ways, but it's very similar to typical depression. You might be finding yourself eating or sleeping too much or too little, little um, having really low energy, feeling like unusually like just confused, irritable, on edge. Um, and performing basic tasks like it might be extra hard to get your work done or really tough to get out of bed in the mornings even. Um, a lot of it with seasonal affect disorder is, is magnified when it comes to the just basic depressed mood and actually increased carb cravings. So hmm. in depression, you can be a stress eater or you can be someone who's so stressed you can't eat hmm. and it can kind of go either way. We tend to find people actually don't eat very much when they're depressed more often than not. And seasonal affect disorder is a little bit different. People tend to eat a lot more, stress eat, and get boredom, and specifically carbs. So there's actually more of a commonality of, of weight gain associated with seasonal affect disorder and like an increased need for sleep. It's kind of like those bears hibernating, right? You might not be tired, but you do take a nap because why not? It's cold outside, it's easier to take a nap, it feels comfortable. So lower activity, increased need for sleep, sleeping a lot, um, eating more than normal, eating carbs more than normal, feeling low, and actually like decreased libido, just not feeling not feeling like you want to connect to other people because you don't you're not connecting with yourself. Because once we see those things, we gotta start tracking that, notice how big of a problem is for you, and then reach out for help. Yeah, and light box is just one of many ways to treat, yeah. right? So there's a lot of over-the-counter ways that somebody can help treat themselves when they're noticing their mood decline. So light box therapy is one of them. I think you, you might be able to rent them from certain certain, certain campus health places. Um, I know they're really cheap and easy with nice <laughs> 30-day policies online, so you can just try it out and see if you like it. Being careful, though, some of the light boxes that are sold online actually are intended to treat dermatologic conditions, so they like, might treat eczema or other conditions, and those actually have UV rays in them. You don't want to get one of those. You want to get like a mood light therapy yeah. box, so it's, it's UV-free. They filter out the UV light. Yeah. Um, but even outside of the light box therapy, there are, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, so like mm-hmm. talking with an individual psychologist or psychotherapist that can help. 
um, and also lots of supplements, over-the-counter supplements that you might find at any pharmacy locally, things like melatonin, it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge contributing factor, a, a large reason why this is happening in the first place. We didn't talk much about why we see some vegetable disorders, right. but a large part of it is that our, our melatonin is decreased, um, mm-hmm. and our, our, our melatonin levels are kind of more variable than normally would be, and might be increased in different times when they shouldn't be. And our serotonin is lower. So supplementing with things like melatonin, tryptophan, St. John's or vitamin D, vitamin B12, those can be really helpful depending on what your specific needs are. Talking with your doctor and seeing if your levels are actually low and really need really high supplementation or if you could benefit from something over the counter makes sense. But as soon as you start seeing some of those symptoms come, checking on yourself, taking note of them, and then talking to somebody to see what options might be best for you. Right. Mm. Yeah. I know. And- I've heard of vitamin D, but I haven't heard of the others, so that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, vitamin D is actually um, necessary for your body to convert serotonin to its active form. Like we oh. need vitamin D to have our serotonin work. And serotonin is one of our like, happy hormones, right? right. So that's mm-hmm. what most of our antidepressants increase in serotonin. So if you don't have vitamin D, then you can't make serotonin. And vitamin D is actually activated by the sunlight. Right. So when you don't have sunlight outside, we can't have active forms of vitamin D and we can't make serotonin. It's all this beautiful chain of events mm-hmm. and it's kind of capturing each level of that chain. How can we help that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and melatonin is the same thing. When when the lights go down at dusk, when our eyes actually start acknowledging that that light is different and our pineal gland secretes melatonin. If the dusk is happening at 5 p.m., it's going down a lot sooner, you're secreting melatonin way earlier in the night, you might have too much melatonin, which might make you more sleepy, more drugs during the daytime. Um, and so supplementing with melatonin, especially at nighttime, really want to get that sleep can help with that circadian rhythm establishment again. Yeah, I would say CAPS is a great resource. If everybody doesn't already know very well about CAPS, making sure that you have them on speed dial and make sure that you have their access to some of the groups they've used. CAPS mm-hmm. has been very busy during this time, during this time, and you know, all during the pandemic, but they're incredible at what they do. And if you don't find what you need with them, know that there are lots of us in the community, psychologists and psychiatrists like myself, who are more than happy to work with college students and help you guys get what you need. I know I'm seeing a lot in my clinic, and I love working with UNC students. You guys are a lot of fun. And for the most part, actually, these things are really easy to manage and easy to treat so i'm more than happy now right yeah well thank you so much i know you're very busy so we appreciate your time thank you so much for having me i really appreciate the time